I want to thank you all for joining us for Inspiration and Isolation. My name is Asia Freeman. I'm the Artistic Director of Bunnell Street Art Center in Homer. Inspiration and Isolation is a new weekly conversation with Alaska artists about how we can find inspiration in isolation during the COVID-19 pandemic. Joining me today is visual artist Arjent Kvaznikov. He's Danina and Aluchik from the Ninilchik tribe and Alaska author Awen Ivey from Palmer. We're going to discuss the impacts of the virus and strategies for creative productivity. Um, just to briefly introduce these folks, certainly ask them to tell more about themselves. Arjun's a sculptor and a painter with a background in anthropology. He's exhibited at the Pratt Museum, at Benell Street Art Center, and currently at the Homer Public Library, although we can't see that work since the library is closed. Awen Ivey is the author of The Snow Child, for which he's a Pulitzer Prize finalist, and also To the Bright Edge of the World. She's currently working on her third novel, The Bear Hunter. Awen was raised in Alaska and continues to live here with her husband and her two daughters. And so, so delighted to have the two of you for a new and somewhat spontaneous um, dialogue in which we want to share and connect and offer a space for people to um, discuss and um, perhaps brainstorm a little bit, share ideas and some of the real challenges that we're facing working in isolation. But um, I also know that as we're each at home with um, hopefully all of our um, closest, we're not really isolated and so, I'd like to ask you each to um, describe your home environment right now. What's, what's your home slash creative environment look like? I'll start with Argent. Argent. Sure. Uh, well, right now, um, also, hi, everybody, and thank you for joining or listening or wherever you may be. Um, Right now, I, I live in my hometown currently in Ninilchik, Alaska, which is a very short distance away from, not too short, <laughs> um, from where Asia is in Homer and the Bunnell Arts Center. Um, and it's my, kind of where I spent most of my growing up years. And I'm very happy to live here. It's like a nice, almost like quasi-duplex kind of property um, with my wonderful, um, parents and also they help put up with my dogs which is wonderful um, and I work mostly just out of my home and I was just explaining to um, Asia and some of the other people at Benel that my work environment is mostly my bedroom <laughs> and I'm in it right now this is my bedroom slash office in the studio and my bed's right here I can thump on the blankets um, this is my desk and yeah, so it's still kind of pretty much the same as it is now. And I, I like it. I like having the, the compactness and also it's just more, I feel like I can gather my thoughts a bit more in this type of environment, which is something that my younger self would have never imagined, I would say now. <laughs> And uh, Eowyn, what is, what's your home and work environment look like right now? 
Yeah, so like Argent, I'm at home. Um, I'm in my office here um, in our house. Uh, we're actually in Chickaloon, so we're about 70 miles northeast of Anchorage. I don't know, that's quite, we're quite a long ways away from each other, really, in terms of uh, you guys being down there um, in Homer, more area, and up, us up here. Um, and it's, it's, this is where I always work. So this is the office you can kind of see around. It's a little bit messy. <laughs> um, uh, my husband built this little office for me when we were building the house. And um, so this is where I always work. This is where I wrote most of The Snow Child, and I'm supposed to be working on my new book, although I have been very distracted lately, like I think a lot of us. Um, I think the big change in terms of my work environment is that both a blessing and a challenge. I have my whole family home with me now. So my my husband is working from home because we've been traveling. So we're self-quarantining. Um, our youngest daughter is home from middle school. So she was doing a Zoom meeting with her art teacher this morning. And my husband's on the phone and doing teleconferencing with um, people at the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. And then our oldest daughter, we were able to get her home from Montreal. She's studying opera at McGill University in Quebec. And, and so that was a big um, stressor trying to get her safely home. So in most ways, I'm just so grateful to have us all under one roof. As a writer, it's a challenge because I'm used to having this whole house to myself. You know, all day long, I just kind of wander around with my thoughts. And now we've got opera music and <laughs> all different. It's just a different environment. So it's an adjustment. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's interesting. So Argent, when you described your environment, I thought almost of like solitary confinement, right? You're in your room, you've got your bed, you've got your desk. And I'm thrilled that it sounds good to you. And then you have Awen, who's like almost in the middle of a three ring circus, just like trying to go or trying to recreate your normal creative space. Absolutely. So, yeah, and I, I, I was going to say one of the things I, um, read recently on, on Twitter was, um, uh, Maggie Smith, who's a, a poet, um, talked about talking with one of her friends and trying to think of this, you know, so many of us are staying home and trying to work from home. And she used the word cloistering, you know, that this idea that, that it's sort of this, I'm going to read what she said, because I thought it was so beautiful. It says, cloistering is self-imposed seclusion, invoking care, prayer, awareness, and a desire to connect with something larger than ourselves. It's a deliberate and loving act. So I'm trying to figure out how to get into that mindset because I, I love that idea that as we're all in isolation, trying to find that sort of peaceful solitude. Um, but I'm struggling with that personally. Not, not as much really about my family all being here. That's wonderful to have them all home. But mentally, I'm so distracted by everything that's happening um, around the world. And I'm, I think I'm spending too much time reading the news and doing things like that. And I, I need to think of that cloistering. I like that idea of solitude in a more peaceful sense. And I, I'm striving to get there. <laughs> I have to say that sounds almost exactly how I view what I have been doing just regularly. Um, I am really a big proponent for uh, not having to constantly worry about, um, I don't want to say social interaction because I do consider myself to be more of an extrovert actually, um, but just the way that I have found I can be comfortable with how I think about things, how I work, um, I really do thrive on this type of environment. And it's very uh, interesting to me that a lot of people now are kind of facing this similar dilemma because there is this 
uh, specter of having to spend more time with yourself. And for a lot of people around the world, that's very strange or and it could be almost scary. And I think people need to understand that it really is a big opportunity because uh, everything that I have done so far um, has taken such a huge amount of reiteration and critical thinking and just personal reflection, research. And it, like my favorite season of the year is actually winter because uh, same thing, I feel like the world gets a little bit slower and I really value that feeling of introspection. And so I really do think that this is actually quite a big opportunity in a way for everyone in the world to almost be on the same page and really um, become reacquainted with themselves and also reacquainted with where they are. Because after this tentatively kind of blows over, uh, they're going to see their environment in a totally new way. And that is kind of exciting, actually. So I am, uh, I'm just trying to let people know that, um, much like Maggie's quote that Eowyn just shared, that uh, part of the equation is to have prayer and some modicum of faith, because you need to have faith in your community and faith that connections you do have and have made are still important and they're still valid. Just because you may not have the constant contact and reflection and reassurance of that doesn't mean it's not there. And for some people that's very hard and I think that's going to be a big exercise in not just creativity, but anything in your life. If you're having a difficult time with that, um, take this opportunity to, yeah, reacquaint yourself with yourself and start from there, ground up, whole new you. <laughs> yeah, I, I see where a lot of authors are joking online about, you know, social distancing, that's, that's a writer's life right there. You know, most <laughs> of us um, spend, it's, and, I, and I, I, that was something I was curious to ask you both, um, if it's similar, in the writing life, you know, uh, so much of the time, of the, the entire creation process is very solitary. I mean, it's just you writing. And there's moments where, you know, maybe you're on book, I'm on book tour or I'm doing events, but those are really small slivers of time that have very little to do with the creative process. So I, I was curious to ask you both as visual artists, like um, are there elements of the actual creative process that are different for you now that you're not doing as much social interaction or, or is it sounds like for you, Argent, this is a somewhat normal state. Um, same with writers, you know, how about you for you, Asia? I mean, have you, uh, you run uh, an art center, so that's got to make it, that, that's different. You're having a lot more social interaction normally through the Bundle Streets Art Center. Is that right? Yeah, it, that's true. And it's, it's very weird and uncomfortable to not have access to people to be physically in the room in the space of Benel with the light and the objects and that material presence of art and those very tangible kind of interactions that we value so much in, in that space. Recently, you know, like canceling concerts and um, having to you know, exclude the public from visiting the, the current exhibit is, is totally painful. Um, at the same time, at home, um, I, I find myself sort of shifting in what I feel like painting. Um, my, my sort of um, 
comfort food when it comes to movies or like British dramas and sort of um, quiet kind of quaint stories that have a lot to do with like the niceties of civilization, you know, um, tea and countryside and, and uh, I've been painting still lives. It's like a, it's a weird, almost like wordplay on, on how I feel in this moment in my life, just sort of still a bit of a bell jar um, in, my, in my home and um, painting in the midst of, you know, this swirl of activity and, and actually choosing to focus just on something like the light on a teacup is extremely meditative and satisfying and specific. And it's sort of what I need to invoke that kind of meditative frame of mind that Argent is speaking of to really narrow down my focus. And truthfully, I always want to. I'm always longing to do that. And it's quite hard to do between the sort of social swirl of my work and um, the sort of um, porousness that um, really um, actually invigorates Benel with programs and ideas and people popping in to share and, and discuss things. Um, so it's interesting. I think that um, it does, uh, this situation um, invites a lot of thinking about what are opportunity, what are things that I long for and what are things that I'd like to change a little bit to create some aspects of still life and some aspects of um, liveliness and energy and accessibility. It's a tough, it's a really tough balance. Yeah. And for me, my, um, what I am currently doing now is a lot of brainstorming. And I feel like this is a really excellent period to not just brainstorm, but almost have this brain supernova of just going forward, trying new things. I'm trying a few different painting techniques. They're not really working out in my favor, but I'm getting there. It's, it's, it's kind of fun in a way. Um, but yeah, I've, I always give myself, um, I'm fairly project-based where I want to make something that has a certain either feeling or statement and then for that next period of time until that is realized, that's almost 100% of my focus. I'm not very good at all at multitasking projects. Um, it just seems like the, the starting and stopping between different things makes me a little bit scatterbrained. So that's what I normally do. But now, um, kind of seeing how I'm going into this new year and new decade and with everything being kind of slowed down to a halt, I'm really taking the time now to let myself do that, let myself experiment more or dabble here a little bit there, a little bit there, not be too focused on um, long-term goals, um, although they're good to have. Uh, I think setting yourself up some smaller short-term goals um, just for your own personal sake is very helpful and it's really helpful to me. I've been able to really um, not just uh, try out new things but also develop some of these ideas that have been on my periphery for some time. So um, 
yeah, whatever your normal is, whether you like to concentrate on one thing or you're very used to doing multitasking, I think it's a good opportunity to see what the other side is and you might learn something completely different from that experience. So that's, that's kind of the direction I'm headed. I'm just doing a little bit of everything right now. I, I really like this idea, Arjun, because I, I, like you, I tend to be um, a very much, like, I commit myself, you know, because I'm talking about five years, typically, to write a novel, so I, I don't allow myself to be distracted by other ideas, and for good or for bad, the timing of this is strange, because I had just gotten to the point where I'm working with my agent and my editor on my new novel, so I've got, like, I'm up to my eyeballs in the new project, and I'm finding it hard to kind of just push through and focus on that project. But listening to you talk, I think maybe I need to kind of give myself that freedom to, um, to experiment and allow myself to wander a little way from that focus and so intently on this, like, you know, I have usually a very strict schedule. I'm going this and this, and like, maybe I just need to, cause there's a certain, I, I don't know about for you guys, but I think there's a certain playfulness um, that I, I, I loved about early on when I started writing and feeling like I was creating things where it didn't feel like a pressure. It felt like something to do just for fun. Um, and maybe by allowing myself to sort of explore and experiment a little bit um, and, and free myself a little bit from that sense, I've got this big project weighing down on me. You know, that's an interesting idea of ways of maybe kind of coping. Um, and also what you were saying, Asia, is so interesting because I was curious to ask you guys if you felt like um, this whole pandemic was going to influence what you were doing with your artwork because I feel like I can't let it influence me right now. Like I have a project that has absolutely nothing to do with it. I need to focus on. And it's interesting, Asia, with you that your focus is almost going the opposite direction um, of, of looking for that kind of tender lighted moment. Um, and I just, I, I really love that. And I think that maybe we can all find some, um, peace and, and joy again, you know, and allowing ourselves to explore the parts of our art that, that, that make us happy. Um, maybe that's what we all need right now to some extent. Well, you know, anybody who, who knows me, I'm, I'm like, um, I'll, I'll, I will um, take a shower and then I'll start cleaning before I'm fully dressed or I'll be at work and I will, you know, just blurt things out and switch gears. I'm, I'm, I really have a, actually have a hard time focusing. So I, right now, um, am thinking about how much I really long for that, how much I need it for like my, my mental health and my productivity, and that our society to date is like the enemy of focus. You know, multitasking is so valorized and people who can multitask well. And, and, and sometimes I do, but it, inside it feels like um, triage. It feels tense. It feels challenging. I'm thinking a lot more about how I want to compartmentalize. And I think things like um, a still life is a very, a very small and kind of intimate compartment into which I can, you know, pour uh, my focus. But I'm also thinking about um, Argent, you described your your process of of play and experiment, and I think it's really fascinating because when I consider your background, you know, in in anthropology and um, a deep curiosity in knowing the stories, the stories um, that you come from, and how stories are told. Um, 
in the, in the human record. I also see in your work this incredible playfulness and inventiveness, which almost refers to sort of a future society and mm -hmm. the way in which um, language can be reinvented, especially for traditions um, that don't have a written record and mm -hmm. so you are um writing that you are contributing to that and it's an it's a, you're one of the most inventive and free thinking artists i've ever met in that arena well i'm i'm floored first of all that's that's very um that's almost too much <laughs> asia please um well thank you very much for uh, that insight um because it is difficult for me. Um, the one challenge that always persists with the type of environment and work system that I handle is because I'm not actively involved in any particular artistic community, I would say, um, and, and not even in any specific tradition. I'm, I'm mostly self-taught. Um, you don't get to have that feedback and that uh, system of critique and I have been really interested lately in the theories of art critique because I find that there's so much of either my own work or other people's work, um, not just within the state, but also worldwide, because I've been a fan of uh, especially fine arts for a very long time. Um, uh, how people parse things out and how we can compartmentalize elements and influences and styles, textures, whatever they are, and really use that in a constructive way to be challenging. And I'm, and with that frame of mind, I've been really challenging myself. Um, and to go along with what Asia said about um, not letting the current pandemic affect your work, it's almost having the effect of uh, affecting my current work in a very passive way. Um, one of the things that I am working on now is because a lot of my work involves, of course, cultural perspectives, my own perspective and my own um, vision, but I think some of the concepts get a bit muddled when I communicate with people about them. And that's not through anybody's fault or any miscommunications. It's just perspectives. It's the difference of what what's our common language? What's our common definition of what cultural relevance is? And often those are completely different from person to person. And so my one of the products I'm working on right now, and I'm just starting to flush out and I've written some abstracts and descriptions and systems is as I'm actually working on a board game which is very you know fun and whimsical and um, but this game or really system is about having a bird's eye view on what cultural evolution or mostly in this case dissolution looks like over a period of time and it's going to go along with this narrative and story. So this is like my first big jump into doing something that involves quite a bit of writing. Um, it tells the story of a culture, which you don't know what it is. It could be a society from the future, past, different planet, who knows. And they are trying to cope with um, a lack of 
resources and ideology, basically, whether or not it's because of natural disasters or influence from other cultures. And one of the elements in the system that I'm currently writing the narrative for is the system of health. And so it's very interesting that all this has happened because I'm now taking that element of it and I'm kind of trying to tap into um, some family history about the previous epidemics that happened in the state. And I'm trying to incorporate some of those, those feelings and perspectives into this. Uh, it's like a, if anybody remembers those wonderful um, Choose Your Own Adventure books, I just loved those when I was a kid. And that's kind of what is going to be a part of this. And I'm including a bit more of that. And I think it's allowing me to kind of really reflect on that element a bit more strongly instead of just use plain general terms like, like you know, poor health, bad health, whatever. And I'm really able to take that little element and really dissect what it means for people to be uh, fearful, scared, um, if their their daily lives are upended. And so it's like I'm getting some firsthand knowledge of what can go into that. So I can't say it's not affecting me totally, but it is, and I'm trying to use that in a more constructive way. So, so um, RJ, was this a project you were working on before this whole coronavirus thing happened? This is something you'd started before? Yes, actually, I first came up with this idea I want to say six years ago, even oh. this is, this is a very old um, thing. That's just it, one of those things in the back of my head. Right. Um, and so it's, and it does sound kind of silly and I'm not a designer. I don't, I can't, um, uh, there is some level of mathematics involved and that's not my, <laughs> that's not my field. So I have been taking this time and I have been um, flushing out some systems and descriptions and, I already have a creative outline um, done and I'm working with a couple of my friends uh, on the East Coast who are very familiar with game design and they're kind of doing a little short review and we're making edits here and there. Because um, my goal with this is to just make one set. I'm not looking to go into a business per se, but I would just like to make one set one set and have people experience that process of what it's like to depend on each other in the same arena as you're competing with them because that is exactly what it is like for um, uh, minor cultures to experience and the great thing about this is the end there's not necessarily a winner or a loser there is a chance for um, rebirth or just disappearing in history. And it just depends on what people have done to get to that point. But you can't get to that point without some level of competition. So, so I'm trying to get people to understand that, that the system of time and, and our perspectives of what we think is happening and, and what our modern cultural issues are are just one tiny step in this, you know, very long grand story that's that's continuing to play out. So I'm just thrilled I'm able to do it now. And I'm 
Well, I'm it's it's fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating because I mean this whole idea of um, of competition, but also trying to support each other. I mean that's what's mm -hmm. happening in the world right now as we mm -hmm. speak. So it must be so fascinating for you to be able to be like using your, I mean, the whole, you actually could watch the news and call it research. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you're actually seeing, you know, that's, it's really a fascinating situation to be in. And uh, yeah, that's exciting. I, I love hearing you talk about your work, Arjun, because it, it just always um, turns my brain in all kinds of new directions. And it's exciting. I, I love talking to visual artists for that reason, especially, but you're, you're amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. And I, I, and really, and I think uh, for anybody listening or watching, I would not be doing a lot of these things if it wasn't for Aylin. I, I really have to say, she plays a big part in my almost kind of finding um, confidence to explore some of these things and to just throw myself uh, full time into uh, a creative field. And, and really, she is like my big number one catalyst. So really, I, I think that's very nice. And I, I really appreciate it for that. Nah. Well, I don't know how that is possible, but I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I, 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 I think I, it's exciting to hear what people are doing with art, uh, especially in Alaska, you know, I, and that's what's so exciting about a situation like this where we get a chance to, to hear what people are doing and what they're working on. And it's exciting, you know, I think it's inspiring for me to hear what other people are doing, so. That's a great segue, Awen, um, into our audience. I just want to remind our listening audience that you could turn on your microphone and, and ask a question. You could also um, type a, a comment or a um, question into the chat box on the side. Um, I just want to invite anybody to, um, to chime in. Um, I, I uh, received one comment that I think is really important to explore please consider that some people are at home alone with no family or friends around. Mm -hmm. And um, that actually, um, while, you know, prior to this situation might've seemed uh, exciting and, and appealing to have that that opportunity for concentration and cloistering. It mm -hmm. also sounds a whole lot like solitary confinement. And so, um, I'm, I'm curious what, um, I know the two of you have made some comments related to that, you know, A, when you talked about the, um, the desire to cloister and the challenge to do so. Um, what, what other thoughts um, might you two offer around um, the challenge of that particular experience and um, what opportunities, you know, are available to individuals faced with that kind of deep isolation? Well, I, I think something like this is a perfect example of a way for us to, um, I mean, the truth is, is that I, I can tend to feel pretty isolated, um, you know, even though I, I feel very, very fortunate to have my family around as a writer, I, I can some, I just spend so much time by myself, typically, I'm usually home every day by myself. And I think that, you know, you can find these little pockets of communities um you know whether it's on twitter or facebook of people who are are communicating and I, and I think we have to be careful about those communities that we choose who do we interact with some of them are more helpful and, and less helpful but like i notice on twitter right now there are a lot of writers that are forming um they're doing pen pal things they're they're pen paling with each other people that have never met are, are writing each other letters or um joining book clubs online book clubs to talk about books or so i think there's lots of ways it's funny because it's, it's such a strange irony in ways we're all isolating ourselves 
ourselves. But because of that, I feel like in ways we're trying to reach out more. So I think there are opportunities um, as much as you're comfortable with. And, and I do think the trick is finding the right people because I think there's a lot of negative energy out there too. And that's not going to do any of us any good. So trying to engage with the people like you guys who are doing um, interesting, inspiring, um, helpful things, you know, to, to join in those, those opportunities as they come up, I think maybe. Yeah, and I just want to go back to um, what I said earlier for people that are going to find this challenging and maybe aren't you as a family or significant other or friends. And that is you need to find some confidence and faith in yourself that um, what you're going through now is not defining you. You, you. you have relationships, you have meaning, and it's very emotional. And I think... Um, it's, it almost harkens back to Maya Angelou and why the caged bird sings. You know, it's not necessarily just an elegy about incarceration. It, it's about um, any situation in which you might find yourself physically, mentally, emotionally um, trapped otherwise. And that is you have an opportunity to give yourself permission to just be yourself and that in itself is just a very freeing feeling and that is one of the things that plays a big uh role in why i do feel more productive in this type of environment and and so yeah it is challenging for people that are going to be by themselves but but yeah do reach out do connect to people do um you know if you don't have a good place where you can do that uh that old psychological trick of going and screaming or something, do it online, you know, do it in a positive way, um, hopefully, but just go for it. Like do something silly, play a game, like who knows? Um, but yeah, and don't hold yourself accountable to some new schedule that you're being rigid to. Let yourself pick up things and, and do new things and, and really listen to what your body and your mind are telling you to do in that moment and just be in touch with that. And really that is going to be so helpful for people being isolated because I have definitely felt that um, a number of times throughout my fairly young lifetime and, and just having those skills and honing them is, is really a, a good opportunity. And, you will just be all that much more fulfilled and positive when this is over um, in the end. That's a really powerful comment. Awen, maybe you would respond to this one from, um, from Scott McDonald. He says, you know, my days um, were very social for professional reasons. Um, Scott's been an art teacher in Anchorage for years and an exhibiting artist, very productive, prolific artist. He says, I would scurry home to the joyful solitude of my studio and family life. Now that that's on hold, my days are full of Zoom at home. And at the end of it, my desire to just go outside and abandon the studio. Is that true for anyone else? <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually, I do find it really helpful to get outside and try to get some, you know, some air out because I, I, you know, I think it's a balance for all of us and we all have different levels of what we tolerate or find inspiring. Um, and, you know, I think that's one way we're lucky in Alaska compared to some places that we can 
you know, even as we're self-isolating and, and practicing social distancing, most of us can still get outside in some form or another. And, I, you know, I've seen a lot of people online saying, like, give yourself permission to do what works for you right now. Like, we are in crazy times. Like, this is, a, you know, never in my lifetime have I been through anything like this. Um, and so I think maybe part of it is just not to be too hard on ourselves. And down the road, this is going to uh, feed into our artwork in some way that we can't quite imagine yet, I think. So it might not immediately be clear to us how this is going to um, make us stronger and better artists, but I think it will. And, and we just have to kind of give it that time and give ourselves permission to, um, to do whatever works for us right now, I think. Yeah, and what the, um, exactly, and we definitely are, lucky to have this type of environment, um, Awen, myself, and Asia, and other people within the state of Alaska, um, we have environmental privilege up the wazoo. <laughs> we, we can, you know, just take a break, go look. Um, even in Anchorage, which is our densest community, there's still plenty of space. There, it's not like it's a overly dense um, urban center. Uh, but because of that, we are reaching out and trying to do things a little bit differently and, and just take stock of precisely what Eowyn said, you know, do what you feel you need in the moment and um, go down that direction. And for people that don't have the luxury of having an, an awful lot of space, they can either go outside to begin with, if they're even allowed to, um, maybe, instead of that uh tap into what your emotions are tap into what your um feelings are and let that kind of be your guide and and experiment with abstraction in that direction um because that is going to be very helpful in giving you some kind of whether or not you're a writer a painter or um dancer even that's going to give you this little roadmap and almost like a journal of your experience through this. And I think you will find that it centers you if you kind of focus on um, your, your history and, and feeling, for sure. I want to remind our um, audience that if you have a question, I encourage you to just type it in at the sidebar so we can all um, have a chance to respond. Um, here's, a, here's a question from Summer Christensen, who has met um, Awen before. And she, she says, I'm a new mom with a four-month-old at home. What advice would you have for trying to get my writing done while isolated at home? Any tips? any mom tips in general for writers? Oh boy, that's, that's hard. I mean, I do think there's certain periods in our life which are just so intense and having a newborn um, at home is, is an intense thing. Um, and I have to say the only way I was able to do it, I was fortunate enough to have my husband's support. You know, when, um, when I was writing The Snow Child, every evening he would give me an hour or two he'd say i'm going to put the girls to bed i'll get the baby ready for bed go write you know and so that was a gift that i got that i i don't know how i would have done it otherwise i i think it's stuff and i think back to that same advice about be kind to yourself like being a mom um is is a huge impressive project all its own <laughs> and if 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 writing or doing whatever other artwork you're doing if that helps 
you know, fill you up and feel more like yourself, I think go for it and try to find that little bit of time, whether it's while you're nursing your baby. I remember reading a lot as I was breastfeeding my babies, you know, you can find these little windows of opportunity or reaching out to somebody that maybe can help you a little bit, but it's a tough time. I can only imagine. Um, it's funny. I was just talking to my husband about that, about the only other time I remember spending this much time at home without leaving the house at all, except for to go outside was when I had a newborn baby. And there's the same kind of feeling of sort of this like tunnel that you're in. Um, but, but I will say it gets easier <laughs> when they're little babies. It's just so much a demand on your time. And um, now my, I've got my two daughters home and they're just all doing their own thing now. So <laughs> it's, a, it's now it feels like such a brief little time when they were little babies like that. But congratulations, Summer. That's exciting to have a new baby at home. <laughs> And I, I, I am not a mom. <laughs> I, I do not have kids, so I, I can't entirely relate with that particular situation. But I would say you definitely let that experience almost be your guide. Let that be what your writing serves. Um, and I feel a lot of people, especially in times of stress, um, creative people, they are thinking of what they are engaged in as a goal or an end point but it's not it's just a tool writing is a tool painting is a tool and you should utilize those tools to serve your story and not to completely segue into a very you know contentious topic of uh, cultural appropriation but it's almost the same thing where you you need to understand that some of these things are even though they may be proprietary in a way sometimes they are just tools and what separates that um, for myself and a lot of people is whether or not you're letting that tell your story or not and if you were to let that writing tell your story and and even just journal like what you're feeling what is going on you know all the the joys the frustrations the whatever, let that be your guide. Because I have seen a lot of controversial artwork that is that can ostensibly be labeled as cultural appropriation, but I feel does something different because they have let that tell their story instead of apply uh, motifs or styles in reinterpreting something. Um, so yeah let that be a tool for you let that be uh, an escape for your own life let it just be something that has a role in your writing you might even although you may not think about it now you might even be inspired to write about it in some way and also congratulations <laughs> of course so if anybody has a question they'd like to um, share aloud, um, please know that you can just unmute your microphone and, and jump into this open conversation. We've got about 15 participants and um, it's exciting to me that they're literally from all over the place around Alaska, from, um, from France, from other places in um, Europe and um, right here in Homer. That's deeply um, meaningful that here we are in this moment we're all in the same boat um mm -hmm. that's that's i can't think of a of a time you know in my lifetime that's felt so poignant in that particular way 
Yeah, it is. It's remarkable to me to me that we're living through this right now. I was actually, um, my daughter was talking to my grandparents who were back in Buffalo um, and they're both in their eighties. And uh, she asked them, you know, have you ever experienced anything like this in your lifetime? And they said, no. And it just gives you the sense of like, um, we are living in remarkable times and um, that's both a blessing and a curse, I think. <laughs> and so hopefully it can help us in ways uh, come together even more as artists and, and be inspired maybe in ways that we don't know yet. I sp I'm spending a lot of time thinking about how um, our whole planet on an environmental level um, is on one hand creating this pandemic and also resting how air is clearing over certain cities. Um, and at the same time, there's this culling that's happening, which reminds me of some of my favorite writers like Margaret Atwood, you know, addressing themes like this um, that um, speak to um, really deep ecological and political imperatives to live, to live differently. And so um, I'm curious to hear from our, our um, audience and, and from our, featured guests. Um, here's, a, here's a question. Uh, I'll just turn it to um, Elaine Peters. She says, um, Arjun, in work that depends upon participant interaction, how might you adapt that to this era? Oh, for me, um, things that depend on participant interaction. Uh, that's very interesting because I have not really gone down that road very much. Um, the the game that I'm working on right now is actually the first venture that I'm really meaningfully doing in that direction. So I'm not too sure, but I do believe that there is something to be said for um, just exactly what um, Asia has mentioned, that what we're going through right now and being, uh, if not, actively participating but to actively hear from each other and listen to each other and maybe we're not interacting um, in a physical way but maybe there is some way to take those um, ideas and those feelings and channel them in some new uh, way to let people experience that uh, you just through distance um, uh, one of my friends who's been helping me really edit this idea um, is also quite experienced at uh, making Android applications and said there is a huge potential for um, making an Android application that is as much of a learning tool and artistic experience as it is uh, a novelty. And so I think when we can start to employ some of those ideas for what we do, even though up until now they sounded a bit, um, they sounded a bit much, we might consider going down that road a bit more. So true. Um, I know some people have to pop off and, and others are piping up in ways that are really meaningful. I wanna bring to light Faith Revel's comment. She says, I think it's important to learn how to live with uncertainty and embrace the idea that everyone is always changing. I've been reading Pema Chodron's work and in essence, living a moving meditation that allows the virus in as part of my daily life, but doesn't overwhelm it. My work as a painter has been about navigating the world and bringing light and dark together. 
for some time. Yeah, it's interesting. My uh, my mom loved Pima Chodron and often quoted her. And I know, um, is it called uh, Things Fall Apart, I think is one of her books where she talks about that idea that really everything always is in flux and changing and terrifying. It's just that we give ourselves this illusion that everything's okay. And then there's these moments where that illusion shatters a little bit. Um, so I, I do think it's one of those you know, this is one of those times that, that if, if we're in our best roles, we can learn, hopefully, and grow and, and be better people. Um, but it's challenging, isn't it? It's, it's a hard time in ways. I'm thinking about how it's a practice. We also need to be more, we also need to be more um, understanding and patient with people who find this not just difficult, but completely alien, who are really having to navigate something that is such a foreign idea that this situation could even happen and i have had a few exchanges uh, with people that were a little bit more uh, heated and and testy than usual which is very strange but then i realized a lot of these people have no concept of what this what i take for granted for my lifestyle even is and means and looks like um they're used to doing this and that and jet setting and, and whatever and and to hear them really have this um really this struggle is very um it's a little unnerving but also i think that's why it's so important for um us as creatives and also even just speaking for us alaskans um to be able to reach out and and listen to people that have this completely new experience it's 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 almost flipped um I, I i know that a lot of my friends and former colleagues they they see me they see my posts you know i'm living way up north wherever they happen to be and they almost feel pity for me they think i'm in some kind of i don't know broken down shack somewhere and it's minus 50 and i don't have plumbing and all of these preconceived notions that they have and so that has kind of flipped now where I'm now the one who has the space and I know what to do with myself and 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 they're the ones that are completely out of sorts um, so I think it's really up to us to be some of those leaders to reach out and say yeah this kind of stinks <laughs> but you know it's going to be fine and really one of the things that i have learned that is a quality of my own is i just can't get riled about anything <laughs> nothing riles me earthquakes whatever i um family disasters like i just can't get riled and so i think as much as i can i i really want to try to share that with as many people as i can um, maybe take some of that on the grounding practices you, you're you are a grounded person you're speaking to the value of having a grounded outlook and we're talking about slowing down enough to have a grounded perspective and a grounded practice through our work mm -hmm. And I, and I do feel like I should just say too that I, I just to recognize and I know it's something that's on all of our thoughts that that we're all kind of the three of us at least my assumption is sort of we're in a privileged situation where we can 
we can take this time to talk about our writing and our art. And, and I do feel like I want to acknowledge all those people out there right now who are on the front lines or have lost their jobs. And like, I think that there's a, um, a wide sweeping effect um, that, that some of us are able to dodge, you know, and it's truly, I, I don't have to deal with any of that. And I feel very grateful for those people who are um, on the front lines, getting us our groceries and, you know, um, uh, hauling gas up to Alaska and, you know, all the stuff out there that people are doing so that our world can kind of continue on as much as normal as possible. So just a shout out to all those people. Thank you very much for everything you do yeah. absolutely in future um sessions we'll be talking with um artists and um creative accomplices who are living in environments like that in the front lines and in new york city you know folks like um emily johnson the kind of work and the shift that it's causing to be in the midst of this kind of chaos and urgency that's making it impossible to be in the studio imagine as some of you, you know, will know well, you're completely out of work for a year and a half because your contracts have been canceled by presenters. And, and on top of that, you're in the midst of a huge um, environmental and um, political crisis. So I'm um, very interested in hearing about um, and from people who would be interested in, in uh, talking on this in this format. Um, next week we'll be with Annette Bellamy from Halibut Cove and Amber Webb, Supiak artist from Dillingham. And then in future weeks, we'll, we'll talk with um, Barrett um, Stenub and uh, Melissa Shaganoff, two artists who are involved in an exchange program between um, Alaska and Sweden through with, with Benel and the um, Cuevda Museum. So as our uh, situation persists, um, opportunities are available for more people to be involved in speaking and sharing. And I um, just wanna thank um, our presenters so much and our, our audience for um, instigating some important conversation and um, really looking forward to, to connecting next week at this time. So any other um, thoughts or comments from anybody who's listening in, we have um, a few more minutes. And I just want to thank you guys both for, for inviting me to do this and being a part of this and for all the participants that are commenting and, and joining in. Um, it is kind of an inspiring, um, uplifting feeling to know that there's people out reaching out to each other like this. It's, uh, so I'm, I'm just grateful that I got to be a part of it. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us, everyone. Thank you. I'm also incredibly grateful and I, I just wanted to say, I, I don't want to um, interrupt the flow, but uh, I have heard from a little birdie that it might be Asia's birthday today. So <laughs> happy birthday. So I wanted to wish her a very happy birthday because she's Aww. been a big part of my development as well. So thank you very much. Thank you. I'm, I'm kind of delighted to celebrate this one. <laughs> quietly so um <laughs> sort of blew my cover but but that's okay um uh, one closing question from summer any favorite literature to recommend during this time and also awen would you please post a link to that maggie smith poem that you quoted earlier oh sure yeah um i'll put it uh, should i put it um i guess i'll put it on i'll put it on twitter on my twitter account people can perfect. see it there i'll i'll retweet it on there all right thank perfect. you and favorite literature that you're reading during this time? 
I'm actually reading a really strange book uh, called Till, T-Y-L-L. It's German translated, um, uh, just recently translated into English. And um, it's a funny book to read right now. It's set during the 30 year war, you know, hundreds of years ago in Europe. And, uh, but to see the struggles that we continue to deal with as human beings, um, I, I find it both kind of comforting and a little daunting to realize we haven't overcome, <laughs> overcome much as humans. So I'm not sure that's what I'm reading right now. Um, I see a lot of people are reading, um, you know, pandemic literature. I haven't, I haven't ventured that way yet. I, um, I'm looking for a little escape, I think, in my reading right now. <laughs> no, I, I just tried reading um, uh, Peter Heller's Dog Stars, which is, you know, speaking, yeah, which I've read, yeah. Yeah, and it's so intense, and it's totally apropos, but it was a little bit too a little much. Too much. <laughs> heart rate started going up, and, you know, just like, I don't know if I can do it yet, but I'm, I'm going to try and do it. He's yeah. a, such a good writer. Um, you have a request have a to post that, that Maggie Smith poem on Facebook, if you would. Oh, on Facebook. Not okay, you share it on there. You could do yep. both. Yep, absolutely. I'd be very happy to do it on there. Absolutely. Um, I have a couple recommendations for reading, although I'm not that much of a voracious reader nowadays. Um, it seems like I'm too stuck in my own brain. Um, but one uh, decidedly non-pandemic related book that I have enjoyed is a nonfiction book, and it's very relaxing. It's very interesting. It's called The White Road by Edwin Duvall, um, who is a, a Dutch writer and researched the history of porcelain making and kind of the history of its uh, yeah. origins in um, pre-Renaissance China and its how it made its way um, west um, to Europe and led to a lot of things like Delftware and um, any number of ceramic notable styles that we have today and it's very interesting to me I, as somebody who is i still see ceramics as very foreign and strange to me but i really enjoyed the book and i loved the the stories and learning about the cultural connotations of what's essentially just a pile of clay um and also if you like to read a book i would like to recommend there's this author called ao and ivy <laughs> Um, he has a couple books out, and they're very well, and I happen to have this lovely um, signed version here with me. Um, <laughs> I highly recommend The Snow Child and To the Bright Edge of the World. Um, very wonderful books, and boy, if she was here right now, that would be something. <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind, Arjun. Thank you. And I, I wrote down The White Road. I I'm, I'm, sounds very interesting, and sometimes it's fun to read something that's just totally outside of your my own realm, you know, my frame of reference. It's kind of fun. So I wrote that one down. Oh, it fuels still life painting beautifully. So I'm super psyched <laughs> to look at that. <laughs> I want to remind everybody that um, on Sunday in the Anchorage Daily News, Nancy Lord will have a list of Alaska comfort reading to recommend. And also Carla Koch has suggested Nick James, Get It While You Can. That's a, a great read. Well, thank you. Again, Awen and Argent so much, um, most especially to Argent for in conceiving of this title, this format. I'm super excited to continue. And um, please uh, message us at, at Benel, info at benellarts.org for ideas, um, themes, people to participate. 
It's really important to us to continue to do our mission work of nurturing and presenting innovative and exceptional art through this different format and these different times.